when I treat patients with insomnia, I often encourage them to consider doing some wind-down routine before bedtime, including gentle stretch yoga. Then how yoga can help you sleep better exactly? So today, let's hear from the yoga experts, Chris McDonald. She is a holistic licensed therapist and the host of the Holistic Counseling Podcast. So she will discuss with us how to use yoga to help us connect our body, mind, spirit, reduce your anxiety, cope with depression, and sleep better. Let's welcome Chris. Hi, Chris. Welcome to Deep Into Sleep Podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. It's, I'm, it's great to be here. Great. So I know you are a holistic uh, mental health provider. Can you please help the audience understand what that is? Yeah, I'd love to. So a lot of people may not be familiar that there is a growing part of mental health therapy that's holistic therapy. And it's about treating the whole person, mind, body, spirit. So with the mind, it's more the traditional approach too. We integrate looking at negative cognitions, learning how to challenge those and reframe them, but also adding in the body. So I'm also a somatic therapist. So really trying to use some different somatic exercises. I use what's called trauma-informed yoga, just which includes some movements, some breath work, meditations with clients. So it's a little bit different than just traditional talk therapy. I also incorporate some spiritual practices if that's what clients want and they're welcome to share those beliefs with me and use that as part of their treatment plan. So it's kind of looking at the whole person overall and including all parts in the, mm -hmm. in the therapy. Wow, that sounds really cool. Um, because in my own clinic, when I started, I call it mind-body garden psychology. Oh, that sounds wonderful. Uh -huh. Yeah, I, I always think mind body and spirit they it's all, all supposed to be together right yeah because it's all interconnected so if one if there's a problem like with sleep for example right with that's a problem with sleep it's going to impact all the others so we do have to look at all parts and and with body too it's like exercise that's something i talk to clients a lot about eating habits all of these things impact mental health i think people forget that you know what you eat too it's going to impact all, and I know your episode on that was very good, too, with all the research on that. It's so amazing to learn all these skills from, from your podcast, too. Yeah. Yeah. So talk about, since my podcast is mostly about sleep, right? Yeah. And so I'm curious, in your line of work, you sure. do all this holistic approach. Yes. And is, is sleep problem a common issue you see in your own practice? Absolutely. I would say about 80% of the clients I see have an issue with sleep. Wow. So this, <laughs> yeah, so it's very common because I treat a lot of anxiety and depression and trauma. So that could be because of the population that I work with, but I think it is so common mm. that people struggle with sleep a lot. So that is one area that I really work a lot with clients on is sleep hygiene and some holistic strategies to help themselves with sleep. And it, it does take a lot of time and effort to help them because people get stuck in what they're doing. And it, of course, it's always hard to create new habits. And so I do look with them to say, okay, let's talk about what you do before bed and looking at all these strategies that could be interrupting sleep and what they're eating or drinking, that whole holistic approach to see 
is there some area that we're not considering that could be keeping them awake and causing some of these issues mm. and using some of these um, yoga practices, some movements, breath, meditation. Um, these are all practices that are helpful with, with getting the mind calm, calming the body and helping people get to sleep. And also spiritual practices. Some people that's helpful too before bed too. You know, if if it's prayer or just reading some kind of religious scripture, some people that's really helpful too to kind of settle the mind and body and spirit. Yeah, that's very important um, because we often, when we treat insomnia, we often encourage people to leave some wind down period before bedtime, right? Yeah, especially that's what for I promote a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially I yeah. notice for people who are anxious, they do need a longer uh, wind for down. Sure. But the question is, a lot of people don't know what they should do during yes, the wind down period. Exactly. So a lot of people don't know how to relax their True. own body mm -hmm. and mind. Yeah, yeah. And that's the that's the key with, you know, taking a holistic approach is you can't just, you know, like they used to say, count sheep. It's <laughs> used like a co cognitive <laughs> approach. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so we have to look at, so, and I start sometimes with the mind. So a lot of anxious people with anxiety, they struggle with racing thoughts at night. And in my experience, what I've discovered is that it's because they're go, go, go all day. And when is the only time that they're quiet? Is before bed. So their brain hasn't quite caught up with everything. So I also incorporate journaling with clients. So I have them keep a journal by their bed. And before they go to sleep, just write down everything that's on their mind. Even just asking themselves that question, what is on my mind right now? And what I've learned too is that if they write down, let's say there's a problem they're still thinking about and, and just put on there potential solutions. So let's say that they have a problem with their boss. Let me just write down, brainstorm some solutions, but then just let it go and go to try to go to sleep, hopefully. <laughs> and then hopefully your brain, what it does, it your brain does process maybe that problem. It means you, doesn't mean you solved it, but maybe it can help you figure out other solutions or what could work. So it's kind of getting it out of your head in one way. That's a cognitive strategy that's been very helpful, just writing it down or a lot of I have a lot of um, people who are go 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 and struggle to let go of work. So write that down too. So if it's an email, oh I forgot to send that email. Write it down and just put it by your resume. You'll take that for your to do list tomorrow. So it is kind of that letting go too. Just imagining letting that go in your mind. I'm going to disconnect from that. And again, coming to the body. So that's cognitive. So the body is using some either starting with movement or breath wherever they feel most comfortable and just doing some slow, gentle yoga. And I mentioned to you before we start recording that it's not power yoga. <laughs> it's a lot of or Instagram poses that you see that are contortionist. Not talking about it. So this is nervous system regulation yoga that builds resilience. Mm -hmm. So it, what it does is it turns on that parasympathetic in your response, the nervous system that's calm or the calm response. Because a lot of times people are in that sympathetic activation, especially if you're doing work up until you go to sleep and you don't have, like you said, that wind down period. Then you're on that high alert and it's harder to get yourself calm. So once you can get into the body, that's really going to help you to bring some ease and settle your mind more. Yeah, I really like you break it down 
to yeah. the cognitive yeah. part and the body part. You can't ignore one. Uh-huh. You gotta include all of it. Yeah. Yeah. When we treat insomnia, you know, the most evidence-based treatment is CBT for insomnia, and that's cognitive yes. behavioral therapy. Absolutely. And that's exactly talk about cognitive part, how you help yourself regulate your thoughts, your perceptions, right? And then how to regulate your body, your actions, your reactions to any um, cues. So I really like what you talk about, exactly touch on all this and the strategy to write things down, to put something out of your head, put it down somewhere so our brain know, okay, this I will not forget this since it's already written down. And I can handle it tomorrow. That's huge. I know that's that definitely worked for some people because uh, a lot of people I see they have this impulsivity. Once they think of something, they have to go ahead address it immediately, and then get themselves really uh, exhausted. Yeah, I he- I hear that, and I get people that they start spinning in their mind too that rumination, and it's just hard for them to let it go. Yeah, especially if it's something like due the next day or a presentation, something that's that's on their mind, right? Or chronic stress, right? And what if this? What if that? If I do this, what's gonna happen? If I do that, what's gonna happen? If I do right. this, then what? Then what? Then what? And they just cannot ah. stop thinking. <laughs> <laughs> it's too much. Yeah, yeah. And the body part, I also really like it, but I want to ask you more. Sometime, you know. We also gave our uh, insomnia clients tips for gentle stretch yoga before bedtime. Because overall, our guideline is to try not to stimulate your mind too much, right? And you don't want to do intense exercise right before bedtime. So what counts as this kind of um, nerve calming, very soothing kind of yoga? Yeah. Sometimes we got to start to just to meet the mood. So let's say that somebody is very anxious and tense and, you know, it's hard for them to relax. Sometimes we have to put a little sympathetic activation. So that can be just shaking it out. And what I mean by that, and it's hard if, if this is recorded, just audio. So if we're just taking our hand and just shaking it and then our arm and then doing the other hand and arm and then shaking, you can just twist a little bit with your hips, legs, feet. Just shaking it out, releasing. That helps reset the nervous system too. So sometimes doing a little active movement. For those that know yoga, you could do a downward dog pose, staying in that. It's a little strength, but it's not too much. Because like you said, you don't want to do a whole fitness routine right. right before bed as part of your wind down. Yeah, And then kind of go into slower movements. And, and an easy one for listeners to to try too is just a forward fold. So forward fold is just standing and bending your torso down, right? As far as comfortable for you, you can rest your hands just at your side. You don't have to go all the way to touch your toes. And gentle trauma-informed yoga too is not about pushing to say you have to do it a certain way. So just reminding yourself, do it however feels good for my body, what's available for me. And I can always back out. So using that cognitive strategy too, that if something doesn't feel right, it feels stressful, I'm just going to back out. Because yoga is not about struggle and strength and we don't want to hurt anybody so you can use blocks too especially if you have back issues so using blocks which are these little foam um, squares that you can use in yoga and put your hands on those if they don't go to the floor put your hands on your legs and just breathe 
It's as easy as that. And one way to do it if you want to do it with breath. So using breath and movement together is what helps calm the nervous system. So it's inhaling, lengthening the spine before you bend at the hips, and then exhale, bending down. And then when you're ready to come up, so inhaling up, bringing your belly button towards your spine as you come up. Mm-hmm. That's simple. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like that. The way you talk about that, even if it makes me feel like I go back to the yoga. <laughs> See? <laughs> I was like trying to get this harder with for me with a visual too, because usually I show people. So when I do yoga with clients, if I do that, then where I do all virtual, so I just have my video camera set up here, and so they can see me, and then I can watch them too, oh. and we can do it together. So oh, okay. yoga, yeah, I think that's helpful to kind of see that. But right, right. Oh, that that's that's still very helpful to know, right? Okay, so let me try to see whether I understand this correctly. If we want to do some gentle yoga yes. movements before bedtime, we should be careful. We don't want to breathe heavily. Right. We don't want to make us feel pain. Uh, we don't want to make ourselves sweat too much. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Because yeah. that'll keep you up. That triggers that sympathetic nervous system where it's just mm-hmm. heart beating fast. That's That's not what you want. You know? Yeah, but I also like the suggestion you gave. Sometimes you need to trigger the sympathetic system a little bit and then lead to that. And the- slowly. So it is kind of starting to think about bigger movements, then gradually going to smaller movements is what's going to help really help bring that that calming response in the brain, too. And I know I mentioned the forward bend, but sometimes you got to do it more than once, too to kind of get that. So, and another thing you can do, this is very simple. And again, you don't have to have experience to do these, what I'm sharing you today. It's just bringing your arms, standing up in what we call mountain pose, which is just your arms at your side, your feet will be under your hips. And then inhaling, just bringing your arms up and then exhale, bringing your arms down. So you're just bringing your arms either in the front of your body or, or from the sides and up. And you can look up if you want and then exhaling down. So doing that a few times, but slowly. So you don't have to feel like you have to rush. <laughs> go super fast. So I always say go slower than you want to go. Oh. So the slower we go, it brings what's called interoception. So that interoceptive awareness to really know what's there and how that feels. And then pausing. So once we do the movement, to pause and notice how does that feel in your body? How does that feel with your energy? How does that feel in your arms if you moved your arms? Yeah, so it sounds like the goal really is not to exercise. The goal is to help you use this movement to connect between your mind, uh, your feelings, and your body. To feel yes. the either the energy flow inside of yourself or just feel the physical sensations in your body with different movements. Absolutely. You got it. Because, <laughs> yeah, and I think that that's something on the myths of yoga is that it's all like that hardcore power yoga as fast as you can. But the problem is when you're going fast as you can, you don't develop awareness. You don't, inter- that interception, it, it's too hard because you're going so fast. And it's not going to bring that. I mean, it can, you feel a little calmer after a workout, but with these slower movements with yoga, it's going to bring that calmer response overall. Yeah. I, I notice a lot of people, they, are, they feel anxious about their own anxiety. And yes. they feel anxious about their own sleep anxiety, right? 
And when you don't have insight or enough awareness, you just got caught up in this cognitive loop and just go, 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 go. And you use whatever way you can to try to yeah. control your sleep. <laughs> it never worked well. No, no. And I'm glad you brought that up because the other thing I just wanted to mention was it doesn't start at just bedtime. So a lot of people are like, oh, I'm having trouble with sleep. What do I do before bed? It starts your whole day. <laughs> what are you doing during the whole day? Because a lot of people I see are like, I'll ask them, like, how are you feeling? I don't know. I've just been so busy. So that's a disconnection between your mind, body, and emotion, right? So you're not really connecting to that. So it, it is about taking time during the day just to, I call them holistic check-ins. Okay, let me just notice, okay, where what am I feeling right now? What is my energy? It's kind of going back to, it's like that mindfulness too. What is in this present moment right now? And accepting whatever is without judgment. So maybe I do feel tension in my shoulders. Let me just notice that. Do I need to do some shoulder rolls? Or if I'm feeling anxious, maybe I need to do some breath work. So it's about nervous system regulation throughout the day. Because if you do that, then you're setting your whole nervous system up for less reactivity when stress comes. And before bed, that it's going to set that tone too, that you're in that calmer parasympathetic before bed instead of waiting. Because it is harder. If you just wait till bedtime, it's going to be harder physically to kind of get yourself to relax and be calm. Right, right. That's so important because if you just do that before bedtime, it becomes a way you use to control your sleep, right? So I could do all these yoga movements. After that, I haunt myself. I hope myself just going to fall asleep, feel relaxed enough to fall asleep easily. And if it does not happen, people get really frustrated. Oh, this yes. does not work for me. I was just thinking that, yeah, because I find that these are lifelong practices and we have to do them over and over. So in order to change our brains, we have to do it repetition, repetition. And people don't like that. <laughs> but, but it is true because once we kind of change the, our brains are neuroplastic, they can change. So the more you do it and make these habits, the more you're going to create those new neural pathways and hopefully out of the anxiety, out of the stress response to a calmer place. So a lot of self-regulation. So build upon the self-awareness and then, right, with the right method and the right philosophy, you can choose when to practice, what to practice, what can help you, what actually make things worse. Yeah, exactly. Because it's because if we're busy, busy all day, going to keep going, then we don't know what we need. So that's that disconnection. If we don't know what we need, then we don't know what to do to help ourselves. Mm, yeah. So so it just brings you back to that present moment too, to check that holistic check-in, to notice all those. So energy, emotion, um, sensation in the body. Mm. Does that remind me, I hear a lot of people clinically complain that, oh, yoga does not work for me. Mindfulness does not work for me. I don't like it. It's hard for me to do. It's not useful. So how useful the, the method you think is or based on your clinical observation or based on, on the data you are aware of? Well, s several ways. So I have my own personal practice. I know that's not data, but I will get to that. But <laughs> for me, I have done consistent yoga for years now, 
I can't imagine my life without it. It has made me so much less reactive to stress. It opens what's called our window of tolerance. So it takes, with all that means, it takes a lot more for me to get stressed out. So I have that nervous system resilience that is much stronger. So that's what I found has been, at that end, I do meditation as well often. So using both of those together are, are so powerful. But there's so much research on yoga and the impact overall well-being. And I'm always seeing new research study. It's just like, wow, this is just amazing <laughs> to see all the amazing benefits. Um, I know there was a study with the CDC. They said 55% of yoga practitioners report improved sleep for them and for, for people that they're teaching. And over 85% report reduced stress after yoga. It's mm. amazing. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's just, there's so much that can happen physically. You know, it's not just emotional too. So it helps with heart rate variability. It helps with dopamine, serotonin in the brain. It gets those endorphins going. Helps with focusing, decreasing rumination, changing anxiety states and depression. And I know we've just been talking about um, anxiety, but it also can help energize for depression too. So if we get in more of that shutdown mode in our nervous system, it can help. Yeah, I think all this really help us understand the body and the emotions really connects, right? And I remember I have some patients coming in, they're surprised to say, I never know, you know, when I have negative emotions, I really start feeling my body reacts. Yes. And I think the other way around is if we can do something to our body and make it move in a certain way um, and practice it correctly, it can help us adjust our mood. Yeah. And the powerful part with yoga is you're using breath and movement mm. and you're getting the double effects. And I call it the trifecta. If you add some meditation there those three things, I mean, that's just really going to help quiet your mind and and help the body relax for sleep and just, just help your overall resilience. Yeah. The breathing part actually is a good point that you mentioned that. So I'm always curious about this. When I do some yoga practice, um, I'm very, you know, beginner of this, not doing it consistently. But every time I notice it's a, a like teach us to breathe in the opposite way that I'm used to. Yes. Because if I'm going to do some movement, naturally, I want to breathe in. I want to hold my breath, right? Yeah. But I feel like in the yoga movement, it asks you to breathe out or it is just the opposite way. And that reminds me of deep breathing, belly breathing. Yes. We ask patients to practice sometime. So I'm wondering what that is about. Yeah. So different yoga movements, it, it's all, it depends on the movement. So like when I mentioned to inhaling, bringing your arms up, exhaling, bring your arms down. And to be honest, that sometimes it doesn't matter with the breath. You can do it without the breath. So for some people with trauma or high anxiety, using breath sometimes can be triggering. So everybody's nervous system is different. So if they're out of that window of tolerance and they're in more of that hype, hyper arousal with anxiety, very anxious and just can't relax. That might be more difficult for them. But if we can, you know, use the breath in different ways based on people's needs, then it's going to really be a helpful response. So, but yeah, so using breath 
is another, it's just an option. Think of it that way with yoga. It doesn't have to, to be that, that way. But with the inhale too, we don't want to hold too long on the inhale because that brings more sympathetic <laughs> response. So if we're trying to calm ourselves down, so just knowing the power of the breath, that if we do the exhale too longer than the inhale, that brings the parasympathetic response and helps to calm things as well. I don't know if that answered your full question. But. So if I understand correctly, we don't have to be caught up in, well, exactly how how should I breathe? Is this breathing? Don't worry about breathe it. Out? <laughs> I always say you can always let the breath go. It's okay. Because sometimes it's more important the movement, right? To kind of get into your body. Because most people I see are living from the neck up. They don't know what's happening in their body. Mm. They don't have that interoceptive awareness because they're just going and they're thinking, overthinking right. too much. And yeah. so they really struggle to even know what sensations are going in. I had a client um, one time that was so cut off from the interoception that she didn't even know her thirst signal. She ended up being hospitalized because she wasn't thirsty, so she never drank water. Wow. anything so mm -hmm. we can get so disconnected from these natural responses right in our body because we're so stuck in our heads that's mm -hmm. why yoga is so important right it's really a tool to help us connect all the things within our system yeah mm. that whole mind body spirit connection yeah yeah wow amazing i really like that so don't worry about exactly what you do but like when the movements flow around, the air somehow should flow around within your system too. And with movement plus breathing, some kind of breathing, just make all flow naturally. It just, you know, sounds like whatever make ourselves comfortable when we are doing that. Yes, right? exactly. Yeah, so we really feel like the air in and out and our body is moving this way, that way. It's just experience. And in this experience, we may think, we may connect, we may feel things. Yeah. And, and we can just do breathing without movement, too. Some people like to do that better. So we call that pranayama in yoga. And that's just different practices that can help us slow the breathing down. Or some there are some also that help with depression to kind of energize a little more. So we, in one way, we might do the breathing for anxiety, for example, we can use counting. So breathing in for like a count of four, mm. holding for a couple of counts, exhaling for a count of four, but then gradually increasing to go exhaling to a count of five, and then six, but then tuning in that interoception, noticing where am I with my breath? Because you never want to force yourself to exhale. If you're gasping on the exhale, then it's going to actually not be good. It's not going to help you stay calm because that brings that sympathetic response. So you want to make sure that it's comfortable in your body too. Right, right. Yeah. So really prioritize how we feel inside of ourselves when we do anything. Yes. Yeah, mm -hmm. for sure. And just thinking about the longer exhale research shows too is what turns on what's called that relaxation response. Mm -hmm. So you always want to try to do that longer exhale if if you want to have that calmer response yeah um but like you mentioned not only trauma patient i notice for some patients has panic attacks this kind of breathing counting technique is quite challenging for it them. is 
Yeah, yeah. Do you have any like a、uh, alternative way for them? Yeah, well, and I often、uh, with clients who have panic too is we kind of go back to learning to feel your feelings to prevent. So before they even get there, let's get to the prevention because what I found in my experience is people that have panic is because they're suppressing their emotion and it. They keep suppressing, keep bringing it in, bringing it in, bringing it in. Guess what happens, right? So with panic, it's an overflow. With that, so they have to learn to be able to gradually build their nervous system resilience up with that, and just be able to allow the feelings, accept the feelings. I think you brought up the point they're afraid of their own anxiety. Oh, this is uncomfortable. I got to get rid of it. Just disconnect, right? But as soon as they can say, "Okay, I accept my emotion." It's okay. I'm here, and emotions are temporary. So using that cognitive piece too, because they are they're fleeting, and nobody stays in a panic attack forever either. So sometimes using the different approach too to say, you know, I'm safe. I'm okay. Getting yourself to a safe place if you're in public, and just sl- trying to slow down the breathing as best you can, because it, it is. I think this it's hard to give a prescriptive approach approach too for panic because everybody's so different.、Mm. Very interesting. And then the point you mentioned, I'm curious how yoga and all this holistic approach gonna help patients with depression to be more energetic. It because、yes. sometimes it's even hard to get them move around or even get them out of their bed. Do how can family members or you know clinicians to really encourage them to engage in some of this? Yeah.、Practice? So. Just looking at the extreme, and knowing that depression is on a continuum, right? Some people might have more mild. Sometimes it moves to that moderate phase. Whether maybe they're still working and can do daily activities, but then what you're mentioning with in bed, that's more the extreme. So let's start with that. So if they're in bed, they can still do some breathing practices too, and something called three part breath in yoga can be energizing, and that's just breathing like you mentioned with the belly breathing. So starting there on the inhale. Moving to the ribs, noticing the ribs, and breathing all the way up to the collarbone, and then exhaling. But you can also use hand cues with that. So having your hands on your low belly as you start to notice the belly breathing, and then you can move hands to the lower ribs, feeling the ribs expand, and then inhaling up to the hands on the collarbone, bringing that all together, and exhale. And use an imagery with that. I found is very powerful to imagine, and listeners can do this as well. If you want, if you're in a safe place and not driving, to close your eyes and just imagine a wave coming in with that breath. So inhaling all the way to the collarbone, the waves coming to the shore, and then exhale, the wave goes back, and then inhaling, wave in, and exhale, wave out. So the Everybody can breathe, even if you're in bed, right? But also with movement, doing what they can. So starting with gentle rotations, even with the wrists, even if they're in bed, going rotation, and then you can go with some of the flexion movements with the wrists back and forth. So it can also be something that they can do by themselves, right? Ankle rotations, just movement, slow, gentle movements, getting them to the point where they can sit up, maybe. And just even hug knees to the chest, 
So, so kind of meeting them where they are, because you, what you don't want to do is say, okay, you're depressed. Come on, get up. Let's do it. Let's stand up. Let's do some <laughs> yoga. <laughs> it's not going to work, right? Right. Exactly. That's what yeah. I had in mind. I was like, that will no, not no, work. No. Oh. I also kind of integrate some Qigong with my oh. yoga. So <laughs> I like to do some tapping too. So tapping, I think is helpful. And this is something they could do in bed too. So just taking your hands like this and gent- gentle tapping on the breastbone. You can use your fin- two fingers or just the side of your hand or tapping underneath the collarbones. So this can help with the chi energy, just get things moving a little bit. And there's other practices too. Once they're able to do some standing we can do some other movements to you to kind of energize a little bit more oh cool yeah, yeah talk about qigong i know i um practiced tai chi a yes. long time ago i definitely read some research about how tai chi can help us regulate our mood and has a lot of um, positive health consequences especially yes. for mental health yeah, it's a powerful practice. If if you haven't tried it yet, listeners, I, I highly recommend doing that too. They're both amazing. And it's just and that's what I recommend to my recommend to my clients too, to practice some of these skills, the uh, qigong or or tai chi outside of session too. Cause and they notice there's not been any negative response. <laughs> I will say that everybody's mentioned very positive, uplifts their mood and helps release something for them. Mm-hmm. So I yeah. think the integrative approach, like finding different things that work for you. Yeah, great. I love the integrated approach. And hopefully more and more providers going to, you know, um, be able to incorporate some of this. And the tapping technique you mentioned, I think a long time ago, I interviewed another health coach from England. She mentioned mm-hmm. the tapping uh, type of therapy she'd been using. Sounds really cool. Sounds a lot of similarities and yeah. how to incorporate that kind of small technique in treating anxiety, especially. That's what she did. Yeah. Oh, definitely. It's definitely up and coming. And think of acupuncture, right? Sometimes we are tapping those spots that with acupuncture that they're using. So it is just, it's all, everything is energy in our bodies. And just remembering that when we're doing the tapping, we're tapping into that nervous system regulation. Yeah. Great. So thank you, Chris, for sharing all this wonderful information with us. And sounds like we have a lot that we could do. We could yes. go into any angle. We could uh, start changing how we think and how we move our body, our spirituality, or you know any uh, any part of this holistic approach that uh, we feel like it's easier or we have motivation to get started with. Yeah, start, and, and that's what I'll just recommend. Just just start somewhere, you know. And I know I talked about a lot today. I could talk all day about yoga, <laughs> but just pick one thing, right? Just just start yeah. with one thing, and just kind of see how it goes for you. Right. Allow yourself to really experience it. Right. So, if our listeners want to find more of your work or want to make an appointment with you, how can they find you? Yeah. So um, I also have a podcast called the Holistic Counseling Podcast. So I have lots of great episodes on holistic practices. And I just want to share one that I think might be helpful to, to listeners. A lot of people struggle to start meditation. They say they can't do that. I hear that a lot. Mm-hmm. So my I have a solo episode 73 
for the Holistic Counseling Podcast called, called How to Start Your Own Meditation Practice. Oh. So I, I highly recommend giving that a go. And that's on Apple Podcasts and on my website, holisticcounselingpodcast.com. I'm also, I have a gift for your listeners too. I'm a teacher on the Aura app for meditation. So I have a link I'm going to share uh, for this that you can get 30 days free on the Aura app for meditations. And there's breath work on there. There's yoga. There's all kinds of different cool things. So Great. Thank you very much. I will put the link um, down below in the description box. Awesome. Yeah. So do you have any books our listeners can read and yes. learn more? So um, on Amazon, I have self-care for the counselor. It's a guide for helping professionals, but really it could help anybody that's looking for a holistic approach to self-care. Mm, yeah, that's so much needed. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Great. Thank you so much, Chris, for Thank coming you. to the show today. It's been great being here. Very fun. If you want to know more about the yoga post that can help you sleep better at night, you can go to our new YouTube channel at Mind Body Garden Psychology. We have different video clips showing you exactly what kind of stretch yoga you can do right before bedtime. But remember, start practicing during daytime, not just leave it to bedtime. Thank you for listening. I'm Dr. Yishan. Leave me a message. Let me know how do you think about yoga and sleep. I will see you next time. Bye. Sleep is an individual thing. We all sleep differently, and there is so much we can do to improve sleep quality. Keep hope and carry on. This podcast is for general informational purpose only and does not include the practice of medicine or other health professional services. Usage of the information we share is at the listener's own risk. And our content does not intend to be a substitute for any medical and professional services, diagnoses, and treatment. Please seek professional health services as needed.